But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing and those who are being saved. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Amen. And we know that God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. I love this passage of scripture, particularly because of the the, the imagery that's contained within it. It's fairly obvious whenever we understand what's going on that that Paul, when he wrote these verses, has in his mind the picture of what was called the Roman triumph. The Roman triumph. The triumph was a spectacular parade that would be put on to honor a Roman general who had been significantly victorious in battle. It was put on to celebrate and honor a Roman general who had been significantly victorious in battle. And these triumphs were lavish and expensive parades put on at great cost. And essentially what would happen at the triumph was that the prisoners of war and the spoils of war would be paraded down the streets and there would be huge crowds would be watching on. And then following the slaves and the prisoners of war, the Roman general would be paraded in a a sumptuous horse-drawn carriage and he would be in all his finery. And he would be followed then by the, the victorious army. And along the route, as they would all walk, copious amounts of flowers would be thrown onto the, the roads. And as, the, as people would walk over that, the horses, the hooves, would walk over the top of all of these flowers, it would send this beautiful fragrance into the air. And also along the route, there would be these huge altars of incense burning, perfuming even more the parade with a sweet aroma. And as this was a victorious march, we could say that this was a fragrance of victory. And whenever the general would get to wherever he was leading the troops, he would then decide what to do with the slaves and the prisoners of war. Most he would execute, but some he would relieve from that fate. So if we think about it, these slaves and these prisoners of war are all part of this parade And they're smelling this fragrance of victory. But to some, that fragrance of victory would be the smell of death. Because it would mean execution. And to others, that fragrance of victory would be the fragrance of life. Because they would be spurred from that fate. And the spiritual parallels there are are, are very obvious. We have a general. And his name is Jesus. And he has been victorious, as Campbell reminded us today. And we, the church, are the victorious army. We're victorious in him, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Because Jesus died on the cross, this was another parade that was put on at great expense. There was a great cost for this parade to take place, and it was our Savior's life. When he died, on a cross for your sin and for my sin. But because he rose from the dead, because he rose from the dead, you and I are heaven bound. We're in this parade and we are heaven bound. 
That's our home. It's our home. This isn't our home on earth. We're told that we're strangers here on this earth. Some a bit more strange than others, but we're strangers here on this earth. Heaven is our home, however. God has a purpose. And the purpose is that as we take part in this triumphal procession, as we go home, he wants to spread through us to the slaves and the prisoners of this world who are bound by sin. He wants us to spread the fragrance of the message of his victory. He wants us to be the aroma of Christ. And as we become that aroma of Christ, the Bible tells us in verse 16 that to some we will be the smell of death. Not because there's anything polluted about the gospel message, but because sadly and tragically, one of the most sobering truths in all of Scripture is that many people will reject our Lord. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. But the Bible also tells us that others, we, to others we will be the fragrance of life because thankfully there will be those who hear Jesus, who see and smell that aroma of our lives and respond to him. It's a wonderful passage of scripture, beautiful imagery in it, but he finishes that passage of scripture by asking this, this question. He says, who is equal to such a task? The aroma of Christ Debate, who is equal to such a task? I think that's a question we often ask ourselves when it comes to evangelism or to reaching out to others with the hope of Jesus. We often ask ourselves, how can I do this? Who is equal to such a task to be this aroma of Christ? Thankfully, Paul answers this question in the next chapter. In chapter 3, verse 6, he says this. God has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. Love that. How fabulous is that truth? God makes us competent as ministers of the new covenant. Yes, he asks us to, to live our lives, to be the aroma of Christ as we live our lives in front of others and we let them see the beauty of Jesus in us. But he's the one who will take that witness and touch the hearts of men and women. Yes, he asks us to be the aroma of Christ and how we intentionally look every day for those opportunities to speak about Jesus and to share his love. But he is the one who will take all our efforts, even those fumbling efforts and answers we can give to those awkward God questions, even the stumbling efforts that we often give to be a witness, even those times where we cringe as we think about how we try to engage someone in spiritual conversation and it felt awkward. God's the one who'll take all of those efforts and use them to transform lives. Why? Because he's in the business of using weak and vulnerable people like you and me to spread this aroma of Christ. He's in the business of showing his power through us that salvation is of him. This is his work. This is his work. And if we forget everything said today bar this one truth, That'll be great. God does not need our brilliance to make a difference through us. He just looks for our availability to be used. He does not need our brilliance to make a difference through us. He just looks for our availability to be used. And in our weakness, he makes us competent 
as ministers of the new covenant. You remember when Paul went to the Corinthian church, what he wrote about his experience? He said, when I came to you, I came with fear and with trembling. I didn't come with wise or persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Paul said that. He knew his weakness, but he still made himself available to God And God mightily used that man and worked through him. God does not need our brilliance to make a difference through us. He just looks for our availability to be used. And the potential in this church is enormous. It is enormous. If all of us could be inspired to catch a vision of being the aroma of Christ in all of the different worlds that we exist in and and live in, It would be transformational for this church. It really would. It would be transformational if we could learn to be a people who through the thick and the thin of life spread the aroma of Christ in this polluted world of sin by how we offer forgiveness, by how we seek to mend relationships, by how we go the extra mile, by how we turn the other cheek quickly by how we seek to to influence and pour love and value into people's lives. What could we not achieve? And what could we not do here as a church? And remember, as we take up the challenge to be the aroma of Christ, God makes us competent as ministers of the new covenant. He doesn't need our brilliance to make a difference to us. He just looks for us to say, I'm available. And I want to be used. And to inspire us this morning and, and tonight to step up and say, God, use me. Here I am. Yes, weak and vulnerable. I'm scares the life out of me, this sort of stuff. But here I am and I'm wholly available to you. I want to be the aroma of Christ in my world. I want to make a difference for your glory. To help inspire us with that, I want to look at examples of how Jesus reached out to others so effectively with his hope by valuing the people who encountered him. I want to look at examples of Jesus reaching out so effectively by valuing the people who encountered him. And in that sets us a great example. Stands the reason, doesn't it? If we want to be the aroma of Christ, we need to look to the master. And we need to get our example from him. He's our ultimate role model. And do you know, as I look at Jesus in the scriptures, one of the many things that stands out to me is what a wonderful people person he was. What a wonderful people person he was. And when we think of that word evangelism, how we communicate the hope of Jesus, it can often conjure up a lot of different things in our minds, and some of them can be negative, maybe because of tele-evangelists or things that we have seen that put us off evangelism. But Jesus was so different to everything that can put us off being the aroma of Christ. He was humble. He preferred to wash people's feet rather than crave a platform or a reputation. He was sincere. He was a genuine person who was motivated not by a program as such, but by the value he placed on people. And when we can live the Christian life, folks, and we're inspired and motivated by a value of the people that we want to reach, we can make a significant difference. When I was at Bible College many moons ago, we had to do a six-week field term placement every year. And 
One year I had to do six weeks in Chester, England, a beautiful city. But the main purpose of the trip was to get involved with a team who were reaching out to the homeless community in, in Chester. And that was a fabulously powerful experience for us because that community of people taught us so much about community and actually gave us many pictures about what church should be. I remember one night there was a, a young man that we had connected with and we took him down to get something to eat. He was starving. And we, we got him something that was takeaway. And the first thing that guy did when he got food was to take it to the others who were in the community and give it to them. I thought, whoa, what a, an example. And at the end of that field term, I was talking to a guy called Mick. I'll never forget him. A guy called Mick. And he was telling me about the love and value that people pour into his life from, that, from the church we were connected with. And as he did that, he said, when I see Christians living like Christians, then I know there's hope. When I see Christians living like Christians, or if we want to contextualize it today, being the aroma of Christ, then I know there's hope. Jesus was genuine. He was the real deal. He was one who brought hope because he valued people. And if we want to do this and model it, we need to value people too. He was a great people person. And this is so important for us to catch because relationship is right at the heart of effective evangelism. Relationship is right at the heart of effective evangelism. I think it's okay what we're going to do on Wednesday night where we're going, we'll put leaflets through doors in, in our community to let them know about Alpha. But the problem for many churches is that that in itself has become their evangelistic strategy. All they do is pour, put things through people's letterboxes. And because there's no relationship in a letter through a letterbox, the return is very, very low. Relationship is at the heart of effective evangelism. And what we're going to do is look at how Jesus showed awesome evangelistic skills by valuing people. And I want to think further about it this evening. He valued people. And you know one of the reasons, there's many reasons why we know he valued people. Here's one of them. We know Jesus valued us and the people he ministered to because he came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. Now, how do we equate value with seek and save the lost? Well, to be considered lost is to be considered of value. If I drop two pence on the ground, I'm probably not going to be running about at the end of the day trying to find it. I probably don't even know I've dropped it on the ground. It doesn't have a lot of value to me. I don't consider it lost. If I drop that on the ground, I don't have fear for my life. <laughs> I will search for it. I'll turn the world upside down to find it because it has value to me. The person who gave that ring to me, Rachel, has value to me. I consider it lost. To be considered lost is to be considered of value. And the fact that Jesus looked at this world and he came to seek and save the lost shows that he places value on every single one of us and that he desperately wants to have a relationship with us. Absolutely. 
And what I want to do is now is make one point about how Jesus showed the value to, of people by valuing the importance of one. And I'm praying that God will help us to catch this one today. He showed the value of people by valuing the importance of one. Now, of course, Jesus had a very public ministry and he often had huge crowds of people around him, but he did not think that he needed to fill auditoriums before he could be pronounced as successful. He did not think just because he only had three short years of ministry, I need to reach millions of people. How do I get out and meet, reach the masses of people? Jesus valued people rather than crowds and statistics. He valued people rather than statistics. And when he met someone, it must have felt to that person like they were the only one in existence. And that's the sort of impact you and I need to make on people as we pour value into their lives. He understood the importance of one. And we've already seen this in our encounters with Jesus series. A lady caught in adultery. She's brought to him in shame. And everybody wants him to judge her, but he pours love and value into her life because he values the importance of one. When Jesus called Zacchaeus down from the tree and went to his house for dinner, Zacchaeus felt valued. No one else mattered at that moment but him. How many of us would have chosen to stay and preach to the big crowd that was outside? Because surely that's where the impact was. No, not with Jesus. No one else mattered to him but Zacchaeus in that moment and time. And we need to get better at making individuals feel valued. Even in church. How many times have you stood in church when you're speaking to someone and that person at the same time is looking over your shoulder to see who else they need to speak to? It's a terrible thing that happens in churches because what is that person communicating to you? They're communicating to you there's some people here who are more important than you that I need to speak to. It's not a nice feeling for people to have to go through. We need to get better at making individuals feel valued. Jesus valued Zacchaeus. No one else mattered to him except Zacchaeus in that moment. The rich young ruler, Jesus looked at him and loved him. How class is that? How class is that? When he spoke to the Samaritan lady at the well, that lady was at the well at that particular time of the day because she felt nobody else would be there. She didn't want to be seen, but Jesus was there and her life was transformed because he poured love and value into her life. The lady with the alabaster jar. Everyone else treated her like scum. Like she had no right to be there. Jesus treated her like she was the most important person. Because he values the importance of one. Sometimes people think, well, no, if we only go after one person, is that not going to limit the impact that we have? Well, no, because if we look at the lady at the well, Zacchaeus, the lady with the alabaster jar, the guys in the road to Emmaus and all the others, what did they do? They went and they told their friends the good news. So actually the impact from reaching one was significant because they started to influence their friendship circles. And folks, we're called to be the aroma of Christ. We're called to be the aroma of Christ, to represent him, to be his ambassadors, to be like him, to be the fragrance of Jesus among those that we 
encounter, and we'll never be more like Jesus. We'll never be more of his, we'll never spread his aroma better than when we are valuing people and when we are valuing the lost. When we make the effort to be with someone who's outside of the kingdom, whether it's a family member, friend, neighbor, work colleague, whoever, when we make the effort to spend time with them in a way that communicates, you matter to me. I value you. I love you. The impact is significant. That's the impact Jesus made, and that's the impact we need to make if we're going to be the aroma of Christ, to value the importance of one. And part of the vision I would love us to catch this morning in this church is that when it comes to our outreach, that every single one of us, we desire to be the aroma of Christ by reaching one. I would love us to catch something in our spirit today of being the aroma of Christ and how we reach out to and influence one person for Jesus. Now, of course, we'll meet many people every day of our lives who don't know Jesus, and we need to be a witness to them. We have people in our organizations here who come every week, and we need to influence and be a witness to them. But what I'm talking about here is when we are the church scattered every week in our own arenas, in our own different worlds, where we will meet other people, but I want us to be strategic in how we start to think in our evangelism. Because here's what I honestly believe, and I believe it with everything in my heart, and I would love you to take this lead. If everyone in this church could catch a vision of trying to be the aroma of Christ to just one person, we could see a revolution in this church. We could see a revolution in this church if every one of us was to value one or two people in the way we spent time with them, we built a relationship with them, connected with them in a way that says, I value you and I want to build a relationship. We could see a revolution here. Please, God, help us catch this one. Because here's what the crack is. If there's 200 plus people here, we get the kids in, there's nearly 250 people here on a Sunday. And if we were to leave here today committed to this challenge of reaching one, well, all of a sudden you start to see the scale of influence we have and the scale of impact when we come to Alpha next year, if every one of us has one person that we can invite who we have prayerfully invested our lives into, that's, there's no guarantees, but the potential to get people here goes significantly north because we have a relationship with them. And if all those people we invite then start to influence their friends, well, all of a sudden you see how this could be enormously significant in terms of church growth and kingdom growth. Community transformation starts when people in a service like this get inspired in their spirit and they step up and say, God, I want to reach one. If everyone in this land, if everyone in this land who is a Christian want to reach one person for Jesus, we could see revival in this nation. That's how simple and achievable it is. We don't need to buy a growth church package from America over the internet. It's a simple, it's achievable. If we could reach one person, how amazing is that? We could win a nation by reaching one person. So our scripture today challenges us to be the aroma of Christ, to live our lives in a way that brings the message of his victory to lost people. We've thought about how Jesus was a great people person. He reached people because he valued people. He considered a lost lost, and to be considered lost is to be considered of value. 
And one of the ways he showed his value was, even though his ministry was three short years, he had plenty of time for individuals. He valued the importance of one. Will we take up the challenge today? Remember as we do it, God does not need our brilliance to make a difference through us. He just looks for our availability to be used. And if we step up this morning and say, right, God, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I love fellowship in here with Christians, but that's actually all I do in my life is fellowship with Christians. I need to step out of my comfort zone and I need to start and look, who is that one that I can prayerfully influence and impact by building a relationship with them. And there will be people here today and you are doing that. There's maybe parents and your prodigal son or daughter. Can I just say to you, never give up. Don't you give up hope. You might have been praying for years for them. Please don't stop. Even if you feel that you're, you're well, what's the hope? What difference? Your prayers are making a difference. You keep loving them. You keep doing life with them. You keep reaching out to them and you trust God. It's his work that he will work through you and the aroma of Christ that you spread into their lives to make a difference to them. But if we could all step up this morning, be the aroma of Christ to one person, hey, we could start a revolution in this church and in our community. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us, spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we're the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. Let's step out this morning and let's step up to the challenge and see as we do, let's pray, God, help us be the fragrance of life to many. Help us be the fragrance of life to many. Who is equal to this task? You are. I am. We are. Why? Because God makes us competent. As ministers of the new covenant, he doesn't need our brilliance. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's step up and step out and be obedient to God's word. Let's go and reach out by valuing the importance of one.